Uh, well, we've been looking at last couple of weeks at the life of Moses. Uh, Paul and I were talking a little bit before service. He's like, are we still talking about Moses? And when someone asks that question, it's kind of like, well, are you happy we are? And he's like, no, I love Moses. And I'm like, Paul, yes, we're talking about Moses today. And it's actually our last message. And we've been looking at Moses as, as his leadership skills. And I believe that every single one of us has the ability to lead. You may not believe that in you, but I believe that in you. And God believes that in you. Because God has given all of us that ability to have a sense and semblance of leadership ability um, that's within us. So uh, what we've been learning in this story with Moses is God comes to Moses and he says, Moses, I want to do this great thing through your life. And it's going to be huge and it's going to really make an impact in the world. And, and, and God says, I, I'm, I've got it all queued up. All you got to do is just be willing to let it happen. And we've been learning that, that Moses, instead of saying, yeah, Lord, put me in, I'm ready to do this, he starts wimping out and he starts giving excuse after excuse after excuse. And ultimately, he gets to the point where, where he's just not really sure what to do anymore. And God is like leaning into him and saying, Moses, you got this, I'm going to be there for you. And, I, and I've learned as a, as a Christian through my life and, and walking with other believers that, that I believe all of us, want, if God says go do something, I think all of us in our minds are like, heck yeah, I'm going to go do that. But when it really boils down to brass tacks, only a few of us are willing to, like Carrie Underwood said, Jesus, take the wheel, you know, go ahead, just do it. And, and so we have to learn how to grow with that. So, so God's calling Moses out of his comfort zone. Moses has been a shepherd for 40 years. We learned about his life. Um, he was Hebrew by birth. He was uh, sent uh, and adopted by the household of Pharaoh of Egypt. He was raised into that. He comes back to grips with his roots. Um, he murders an Egyptian. He flees. He's gone for 40 years. He comes to God on the midst of this mountain in a burning bush, and God is speaking to him, basically saying to Moses, this is exactly what I want you to do. And excuse after excuse after excuse. You know, Moses is like, I can't. They won't believe me. They won't know that you're the one who sent me. They won't know that, that this is even true that we're having this conversation. And then he makes up a speech impediment. So Moses is like excuse after excuse after excuse. And after every excuse, God is saying to Moses, I'm there with you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to make this happen. All you have to do, Moses, is make yourself available and, and do what I'm asking you to do. I think, I think most of us, I know for me, uh, there have been times where a challenge or an opportunity has been presented to me, and if I'm not careful, my thought immediately starts going down what I think my abilities are. Can I do this? Can I do this? You, you ever done that? You know, you kind of like wondered, can I, can I do this? Can I do that? And, and you're not really sure. So, you know, when I was um, uh, younger, I, I used to watch a show in the 80s. Anybody else remember the 80s? <laughs> Everybody remembers the 80s. Fashion wasn't good. Hair wasn't good. But it was the 80s, right? And I watched a show that starred a guy that had a mullet haircut. You know what show I'm talking about? He could, like, take things and escape from, th uh, Paul, who is it, Paul? MacGyver, right. Who, whoever watched MacGyver? Like two of you. Okay. So, so there's three of us in the room. We watched MacGyver. MacGyver could take, like, duct tape, a pencil, and a flashlight, and he'd make a nuclear bomb. I mean, he'd get out of anything. And, 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 I, and I go back on demand. I know it's silly. And I watch this, and I, and I try to, like, relive what, what was going on in those shows. I'm like going, that'll never work. But it always does. And he has the ability to take whatever's been given to him and find a solution uh, to get through the problems that have been created for him. Now, if you, if you really know me, I mean, if you really, really know me, you know that I am not a tool guy, okay? 
I'm not like Felix. I don't have like a shop in my garage with all the you know, craftsman tools and drawers and collated and labeled. You've got that, don't you, Felix? Yeah, I know you do. And I, I'm not like that. You know, I, I have to improvise. Uh, my good friend, Ed Cook. Ed, you're probably watching this morning. I told you to watch this morning, right? And, and when I say that I'm not a mechanical guy, I can't, I can't fix things. I, have to, I had Ed come help me fix something at my house. And finally, he said, Bob, can you find something else to do? Just let me take care of this. And, and so Ed will tell you that I'm not a tool guy. So, so I'm the kind of guy, though, that, that has to improvise. So, you know, if I see something that has to be hammered, I may not have the right hammer, but, but Patty has a shoe. And so I'll go grab one of, her, one of her flats, and I'll just, like, hammer it in, right? Okay, guys, you following me on this a little bit? You know, uh, there was a time that, um, that I had to uh, screw something in, and, and I didn't have a screwdriver, so I took a butter knife and just kind of slipped it in and screwed it in. This was one I'm most proud of. I, I, I needed to drill a hole to install the shelf. I had to put one of those eyelets in the wall, you know, those little sinkers that, that holds it and, and all that. And I, had to, and I didn't have a drill, so I went in the kitchen, I found an ice pick. And then the dog had brought a rock in, so I just kind of like tapped into the wall and put that uh, blue thing in, and, and that's why I call them blue things, and then put the screw in, and, and, it, and it was anchored. It was fine. So, so that's the kind of stuff that I do. And, and I know I'm not the only one, right? I know some other people probably do that too. But, but the point, though, is, is we've got to learn to use what we have. We have to learn how to use what we have. Um, God has given you some interesting things. And the question is, are you going to use what God has given you. Uh, most Christ followers, when, when we're presented with something, we, we immediately start thinking like, you know, I don't have the education for that, or I don't have the financial resources for that, or I don't have the time for that, or I don't have the acumen to do that, or the knack, or the tools, or whatever. And we send ourselves through all these kinds of things. And two weeks ago, I, I said to you that, that, that Moses was saying the same thing. And God wanted to show Moses something that was, was significant, something that was true. God said, Moses, I want you to do this. I want you to go liberate my people. And Moses threw out the questions. He said, people are going to say, well, who am I? I'm asking who am I? They're going to say, who sent me and why? And, and can I be trusted in all those things? And God said, Moses, the thing that you need to remember right now more than anything else is, is that I will be with you. And no matter what, I will give you the words and everything that you have to say. But as we go into the Exodus story, we learn something else that happens here. So I asked Jeff if I could hang this on his drum shield a little bit earlier. He gave me permission. Thank you, Jeff. And so God is, is looking at Moses at the burning bush, and Moses is going through, I look pretty good with this, don't I? <laughs> Moses is going through all these questions and excuses with God, and God says to Moses, Moses, what's that in your hand? Now, this is kind of a cool part of the Moses story because um, if you've ever been you know, like shook down by somebody, somebody comes up to you and like, like kind of like shaking you down, getting you down to the core, and, and Moses is like, you know, well, what do I have? I don't have this, I don't have this, I don't have this. And God's just like, Moses, what's that in your hand? And Moses says, it, it's, it's a staff, it's, it's, it's what I have. But more importantly, it, he says, it's a stick. So, so this is a stick that Moses has. He's probably carried it for about 40 years between the time he left Egypt and the time that, that he comes to this burning bush. So he's had this stick for 40 years. It's just an ordinary stick. Uh, don't know where he got it, but he has it, and he uses it as a shepherd. Uh, my grandson, Trey, he's my oldest grandson, he, he said to me one time, he said, Poppy, he said, he said what's uh, brown and sticky? And I said, I don't know, Trey, what's brown and sticky? He said, it's a stick. You'll get it in a minute. 
So, so, I mean, you know, so, so Moses had this ordinary stick. So, so God says, asks, he says, Moses, what's that in your hand? And Moses is just like, well, it's a stick. And this is where I kind of want to start today. It's God wants to reveal himself to you, to me, to us, and he wants to display his glory. So we have to remember that, that God constantly wants to reveal himself and he wants to display his glory. And the way he's going to do that is he's going to make things happen. So the scripture says, Moses answered, what if they don't believe me or listen? And, and they say, the Lord did not appear to you. And, and, and you know, he's come up with these excuses. And I think it's interesting that Moses is focused on himself. I don't know what I would do if I stood in front of a burning bush. Um, I don't know if I'd be in awe. I don't know if I'd run. I, I don't know what I'd do. But but Moses, um, he's, he's missing the opportunity. He's focused on himself. It's all about me, 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 my, my, and I. You know, what, what am I, who am I, and why can't I, and, and all these things. And, and what he doesn't understand is, is that he's just this far away from God revealing to him what's special about this stick that he has. See, Moses doesn't know that the stick that he's holding is one day going to split the Red Sea. Moses doesn't know that the stick he's holding, that one day God is going to use that to bring miracles upon the earth. And Moses has no idea of knowing that this stick is going to do anything other than it's something that he's holding on to, and it's something um, that he has. You see, Moses has already convinced himself before he even knows what God is going to do, Moses has convinced himself that he has no purpose, nobody's going to listen to him, Nobody's going to take him seriously, and it doesn't matter what God's asking, he ain't going to do it. And see, that, that's kind of what we do, isn't it? You know, we, we start looking at ourselves, and we look at all the reasons why we can't do something. Some of us are even wired that when we know we're being sent by God to do something, that we've convinced ourselves that whatever we do or say isn't going to make a difference at all. Has that ever happened? You know, you really feel like that nudge that God is saying, I want you to go do this, and you're making up all these excuses like Moses did, and you've convinced yourself before you even see the first person that there's no way that they want to deal with this. I have a good friend. He's a part of our church. His name's Carl Simon. Carl um, is a part of our 9, 9 a.m. virtual church, and, and Carl and I were having breakfast before the pandemic came out, and, and we were just talking about some different things, and, and, um, and Carl said, you know, he said, he said, I've come to learn that too many of us fall prey to what he called stinking thinking, now think about that. Stinking thinking. Stinking thinking means that you're always thinking the worst before you see the best. You're always convincing yourself that it's not going to work or that you can't before you even try. And see, this is, this is where we've got to get it. One of my favorite prophets in the scriptures is an Old Testament prophet. His name is Habakkuk. He's a minor prophet. He's, uh, he's like a little bitty prophet. Not, not you know, but he, he's like, you know, when you think of Jeremiah and Isaiah and those guys, Ezekiel, he's a minor prophet, okay? And he says in chapter 1, verse 5, he says this, prepare to be amazed. That's like my, my mantra. Somebody asked me, Bob, what's your favorite scripture? Habakkuk 1.5, prepare to be amazed. Another translation of that is expect a miracle. And, and I think that that's what we learn in this story with Moses and God, is that we have to be prepared to be amazed. We have to be ready to expect a miracle. So, so we need to make sure that we are not turning off our ability to go do what God's asking us to do, to go meet people for Jesus, to go share our faith, because we think that they don't want to hear our message. Let me tell you, they do. 
They want to hear everything that you have to say about who Jesus is. Think about the world today. Don't we need Jesus? Come on, church. Don't we need Jesus? Absolutely we do. And so, so we can't think of ourselves as that, that we have no ability to do this, and we can't convince ourselves that we've been defeated before we even, before we even start. Moses made that mistake. He said to God, he was convinced, there's no way that they'll listen to me, there's no way that they'll do anything, um, and there's no way that they'll believe, God, that you sent me to set them free. But we have to stop the stinking thinking, and we have to believe. Habakkuk 1.5, prepare to be amazed, expect a miracle, and see God work through it. Here's the second thing we learn. Um, we learn every time Moses gives an excuse, God comes back with a promise, so Moses excused, God makes a promise. Moses excused, God makes a promise. It's kind of like punch, counterpunch. You know, point, counterpoint. Moses, I can't. God, yes, you can, and here's why. God says to Moses, what's that in your hand? What is it that you have? What is it that you're holding? And I love the simplicity here. God doesn't enter into some theological treatise with Moses. You know, look, Moses was educated probably by the finest scholars in, in Egypt and philosophers. He was a smart guy, okay? But God doesn't enter into this huge theological treatise. God just says, what's that in your hand? In other words, Moses, I'm calling you to do something extraordinary, and I'm going to dumb it down here, and, and it's gonna be, you're going to be able to do it with what you already have, Okay? You're not going to have to order something off Amazon. You're not going to have to you know, wait for it to come and those things so that you have the right tool. Moses, you have a staff, and I'm going to show you how you're going to use exactly what I've already given you, and, and you're going to do it. So, so, so God says, you know, take the staff and throw it on the ground. He throws it on the ground. It becomes a snake. And God says, reach down and pick it up. He picks it up, and it becomes the staff again. And God says, this is what you're going to use when you go to all those people that you just said won't listen to you, and you're going to show them not for your benefit, Moses, but for mine. And the reason you're going to show them what I just showed you is so that they will believe. Notice God doesn't say, Moses, so that you'll believe. He says, so they. So even if Moses isn't sure, all God's saying is, just do what I'm telling you to do. And while you're doing it, you're going to do it for one reason, so that they, so that the community, so that the people will believe. You see, see God wants to do something through you. Not for you, through you. We think about, I need a miracle. Well, if you get a miracle in your life, it's not that God has done a miracle for you. It's God is doing a miracle through you so that they will believe. And I think that's something that we, we really have to hold on to. God wants to do something there. I mean, he's already got you in his family. He's already got you a part of his kingdom. But he wants to use you, me, us, so that they will believe. And that's important that we know. So, so God says to Moses, use what you already have. Don't, don't go wigging out and stressing out that you got to go find something. Remember the story of Mary and Martha? Martha was so upset. You know, she's cleaning, she's doing this, she's cooking, all that. Martha was trying to do all the things she could to impress Jesus. Mary did, or Mary did what she had. She, she sat at the Lord's feet, and she was blessed for that. So God looks at Moses and says, take what you have and use it for what I'm asking you to do. 
You see, we think about this, this staff, and if we read this story, we can go one of two ways. We can either go like, wow, God really did something amazing with that stick. You know, it wasn't the fact that Moses had the stick. It wasn't even the fact that Moses carried the stick with him into Egypt to do what he had to do. The power wasn't in the stick. The power was in God. God was the one behind the stick. And because of the power of God, something great happened. You see, all throughout the scriptures, we, we learn some things. We learn, that, we learn that Jesus wasn't a doctor. Nowhere do we see that Jesus was an MD. In fact, he's a carpenter. And, and so he's not a doctor, but yet he heals people. You know, nowhere do we see that Jesus is a great chef. He's not a Gordon Ramsay of today, right? But yet we, we read a story where he, he takes a kid and he says, hey, give me your SpongeBob lunchbox. And he sees five loaves and two fish. And he says, bam, you know, and, and, and well, that's Emerald. But he says, you know, there. And he says, you know, now I'm going to feed thousands, not thousands, but tens of thousands. Um, so, so we see Peter, you know, Peter, Peter's a fisherman. Peter's an ordinary guy. Um, you know, Mark had, John Mark traveled, you know, with Paul, and, and, and Mark also uh, was with Peter, and, and they had to help Peter along because Peter wasn't a great communicator. And yet, what we learn in the book of Acts is that the first time that Peter spoke through a sermon, 3,000 new believers in Jesus. It wasn't Peter, it was God. Peter wasn't a doctor either. He wasn't a doctor like Jesus, wasn't a doctor. And it says that, that Peter's shadow when he walked by people, his shadow touched people and they were healed. Jesus wasn't, um, you know, a boat, but yet he floated on the water. He walked on the water. So, so it happens because of what God is doing and what God is doing through you. You know, we think as a church, you know, why do we as a church, why do we partner with schools? Why do we um, have Pinellas Thanksgiving where we feed, you know, 300 people, we give them turkey dinners because they're underfed. Why do we do Pinellas Christmas? Why do we do what we do? It's not so that people will like, you know, like us on Facebook or, or make sure that we're the first church that they'll call and see and venerate and all that. We do what we do so that they will know God. That's why we do it. And so it's not about us, it's about God. And that's what we've got to remember. God loves to reveal himself through you. And God does that in so many different ways. But some of us, we get paralyzed. We sit there and we say to ourselves, you know, uh, I'm supposed to, I was asked to lead a marriage ministry, but you know, my marriage isn't like their marriage. They should lead it because they have a better marriage than me. I mean, that's kind of what we'll say. Or we'll say, you know, well, you know, I, I want to be benevolent, but, but I don't have enough money because I can barely make ends meet on my own, so I can't be benevolent. Or we'll say, you know, um, I really want to uh, be a part of a small group ministry, a, a life group, and, and I want to be a, a catalyst for that. I'd like to start a small group, but man, I don't know a whole lot about the Bible, so I can't do that. Do you see where we run into this and the challenges that come with that? You know, God says in verse 17, take this staff in your hand so that you can perform miraculous signs with it. So God looks at you and says, whatever you have, whatever it is, Take what you have and let me perform miraculous signs with it. And God is using you 
to make that difference. So what does God do with the staff with Moses? In, in, in Exodus 7, Moses takes the staff, he touches it to the Nile River, it turns to blood, there's a plague. We look later in Exodus 8, Moses raises the staff and frogs begin to, to fill the waters and he touches the ground and gnats fill the land. In Exodus 9, a huge hailstorm, when he lifts the, the staff, a hailstorm where the, where the um, uh, Ice is on fire, it's coming down to the earth and it's happening. And we see later on in Exodus 14, Moses raises the staff and, and splits the Red Sea so that the people of, of Israel can, can walk to safety into the promised land. God is using everything that Moses has. And just like if we allow God to use what is in our hand as he let Moses use what was in his hand, great things will come. But we have to have a willing heart. We have to be willing to let God do that. So here's the question. What's your stick? All right, what's your stick? Might be your job. Your stick might be your education, your vocation. Your, your stick might, um, I don't know, your stick might be uh, the money you've saved. It might be a spare car that you have that could be a resource. What, what's your stick? Uh, maybe your stickers are those clothes that you've been stacking in the back of your closet going like, one day, I'm gonna get back in those. I mean, what's your stick? What is it that you have that if you put it in God's hands, God will do something with it. And why will God use it? Not so that you get the miracle. Why? So that they believe. So let's go back to Exodus 4.18. The burning bush, it's over. Moses has had this huge encounter, and imagine he runs home to his wife Zipporah. And can you imagine he runs in the front door? Honey, you'll never know what happened today. I, I met God at the burning bush. Well, what would happen if you came home and said that to your loved one? You think they'd be like, oh, honey, that's so great. It's wonderful. Tell me all about it. They'd be going like, man, you cray, cray. Right, you better leave now. But Moses has changed. And he goes to his father-in-law, Jethro, and he says, God's spoken to me. And, and here's what he said. He said, Go back to Egypt, Lord speaking to Moses, for all the men who wanted to kill you are dead. I love that line. Every person who wanted to kill you, Moses, I've already, they've taken care of them. They're done. It's going back. No worries. They'll, they'll receive you there. So Moses took his wife and his sons. He put them on a donkey. He started back to Egypt, and he took the staff of God in his hand. No longer does it say he took his stick. No longer does it say it took his shepherd's staff. Do you see what it says? He took the what? The staff of God in his hand. God has taken what Moses had all along and God has now transformed it into God's tool. And he says, take that and make something with it. I, I don't know what you have. I don't know all of your educational backgrounds. I, I don't know how much money you have in investments. I, I don't know, you know where most of you live. I, I haven't driven by your houses and I haven't checked that out or anything like that. Um, I, I don't know what you have. But here's what I do know. If you will make an effort to give whatever you have, tangible and intangible, if you'll give that to God and let God put his DNA all over it, let God put it on a staff, let God use it in a way that brings glory to God so that they will believe. Can you imagine what would happen? 
How can we remove ourselves from being hoarders of what we have, our intellect, our, our whatever, our finances, our education, our money, our vocations? How can we no longer be ones that want to venerate all of that? And how can we say, God, here it is. It's yours. And I'm giving it to you so that they can believe. So here's the question I want us all as we leave Moses the question that I want us all to really ask ourselves every day. When you get up in the morning, before you say, good morning, sunshine, as you're looking in a mirror, I want you to ask this question. What's in my hand? And I want you to ask yourself, what's in my hand? What is it that God has given me today that I can give back to God so that he pours his DNA all over it, not for my glory, but so that they will believe. And I think it's really important that we ask ourselves that very important question. Because I, I think you need to know, everything God has called you to do and will call you to do, you already have. He's saying to you, what's in your hand? And are you willing to give your heart to him to do it? Think about that.